1: Roads and fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast. On a Sunday, we're talking some USC Trojan football. Lots of news to get to. Previewing USC Spring Football, which starts on March 6th. That's two days from today, the day we're recording. On a Tuesday, if you have any questions or comments for the show, we'd love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com. That's our email. Or you want to call or text, you can do that at 424 424- 424 254-9141. that's our hotline send us a voicemail send us a text we'd love to hear from you we'll play it on the air we got text we got voicemail we have email today and we have some different topics to get to so let's jump right into it with the coach Harvey Hyde follow him on twitter at coach Harvey Hyde his website is harveyhyde.com how you doing coach what's up
0: Ryan I'm doing great buddy I tell you, you got my uh website down better than I do man I get it mixed up you really did a good job there follow me at coach harve website harveyeyed.com how to record that and then run that rather than me saying it
1: <laughs> I'll do it for you if you need some help coach I'll uh, I'll definitely help you out so a lot of topics to get to today uh before we jump in I wanted to thank our sponsor Southern California tickets if you need tickets for anything you can go to sc tickets.com or give him a call, 1-800-888-7287. If you want to go to baseball's coming back, you want to check out some hockey. Uh, and NCAA basketball is pretty much ending. USC's home season ended last night. Unfortunate loss to UCLA. Uh, but if you want to get tickets for the Pac-12 tournament out in Las Vegas, Coach definitely will help you out with that one. But go to nctickets.com, ask for Curtis, and tell him Coach Harvey Hyde sent you. He'll hook you up. Um, We do appreciate Curtis and everyone over there at sctickets.com. So, Coach, kind of crazy stuff going on right now. We are two days away from spring football, and we have a little bit of news. That's our news play. Um, So, what we reported a couple of days ago, and we haven't heard official word from USC yet, but Tim Drevno, he's a Southern California guy uh, from Torrance, was the running game coordinator and offensive line coach for USC and Steve Sarkeesian back in 2014. Then he left for Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. They had a parting and we started getting word coach that Tim Drevno was coming back. Now they need a running back coach. And we weren't sure how this was going to fit, but as of what we're hearing right now is he's going to move in and, and coach running back. So uh, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts coach on Tim Drevno returning to USC.
0: Well, you know, uh, Ryan, I'm sort of excited about it. A lot of people are saying, how does that fit? He's an offensive line coach, but he's an offensive line coach that has had experience in coaching running backs. He coached the running backs at UNLV. He's a local Southern California guy, played at Cal State Fullerton, Uh, you know, coached with the 49ers, coached with Jim Harbaugh, I mean, and coached at USC, so he knows the setting, he knows the offense. It's the same offense. Uh, Coach at Michigan. He's been in the big house. He's been in big games. And I think it's important to have people on your staff who is coached at this level, who can bring some type of thought about how Harbaugh might think about this or how we did it here or did it there. And this worked and this didn't work. And running backs are, I'm not saying the easiest position to coach, but they're ones when you have the, where you have the fewest numbers and you can really teach. And build confidence in your kids and you got to teach them how to pass block and do the different schemes that are on the line of scrimmage. And he's the ex, he's had the experience of coaching the offensive line, teaching the backs what to look for, working with uh, the offensive line coach, being able to put the running game together the way it's supposed to work. And what I like the most about this. And now I don't know if Clay Helton is hiring because of this. But he brings a toughness to USC as far as the way Harbaugh coaches. As far as the offensive line, the jumble packages that Harbaugh uses, the play-action passes he uses from double tight, the power formations, the different things that they've used that USC needs to incorporate into their offense. Now, if that is why they hired him He's a genius, Clay Hill. because this is the one thing that we have or I have been emphasizing as far as what's lacking as far as in the offense itself, as far as having these different packages and being able to be more physical, practice physical, and get the things done that you need to do as far as uh, at USC. But you have the skilled players. You have what you need. You just need to get it. On the same page, uh, as far as on the field, where you are, uh, putting a few different things in that you need to do. So you hire a coach that's been there and done it. He's uh, been in the uh, – he's a Southern California guy, which I think is important as far as recruiting. Uh, and he's got the, you know, offensive coordinator at Michigan. You bring him in as your running back coach. Hey, that's pretty good. Uh, been on winning teams. Uh, that's pretty good and uh, I like it. I like to hire. I hope it happens, and it's not hard to come in and learn how to coach the running backs as far as in an offense. It really isn't a lot to do. It's the fundamentals, and getting the players want to play for you. I think the number one thing is getting the players to want to play for you and perform, and I think he can do this, and I hope he can, and I hope it does happen.
1: We, uh, Coach um, Tark wrote in question, and I don't I think he means Tim Drevno. He said when, when he said when Coach Fresno. So that looks like an autocorrect. uh, There's no Coach Fresno. He said when Coach Fresno was hired, Clay said it was because of his familiar. He was familiar with the pro style offense, but does USC really run a pro style offense anymore? Um, Now Clay Hilton, you know, hasn't made any comment about Tim Drevno yet. We just we broke the news a couple days ago. There's been no official word of the running back coaching hire from USC. We still don't have a roster. We expect to see one of those on Monday, Coach. So um, they're really kind of delaying all this, all the information. So the day before spring football is when we're going to get this. But I guess to Tarek's point, you mentioned that they're, you know, the two tights and all that kind of stuff. But is that really the kind of offense that USC runs now?
0: No, it isn't. But they, they need it. They, I'm not talking about being the complete offense. I'm talking about being incorporated into your offense. You've got to have different phases of your offense. Certainly, you've got to be able to throw the ball, and they've been able to run the ball and do different things, but you've got to have a toughness, too, that when you need to you know, get get down to the brass facts, we got to get a first down. we got to be able to know what we need here on second and three on the on the goal line or whatever, and you've got to come out and be able to not always not pound the ball in, but have him guessing on what's going on with the bootleg, the play-action pass, get your tight end involved in the offense, which, you know, Jim Harbaugh can do. So I think that this guy has been there and done it, and uh, I hope that they come in and utilize his knowledge and uh, incorporate what they can into USC's offense to make it a better offense because there's been some things lacking that we know. So I think this is a good hire. And, you know, he didn't become available until about two weeks ago. Yeah. So, you know, I think the timing on this, and I don't know if if this was a plan or something that just happened, but I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be really, really good for USC if they brought him in for those reasons, and I hope they were smart enough to do that.
1: We had one other question on this hire. It's a text question from George in Oxenard. He said, uh, to me, it's like knowing that your mother cooks a terrible Thanksgiving dinner, but it's mom, right? You can't possibly kick her out of the kitchen. So you bring in Cousin Sally, just to quote-unquote help with the stuffing while you secretly hope she'll take over and cook the whole thing. If Coach had guts, so he's talking about Clay Helton, he would have fired dear Uncle Neil. He's talking about Neil Callaway. Brought in Tim Drevno as the offensive line coach and brought in a true running back coach like Gillespie. So he's talking about... uh, Former Tennessee running back coach. Um, love coach Clay, but his inability/slash unwillingness to fire underperforming coaches is very frustrating and disconcerting. Uh, but alas, he is the coach, so in Clay we trust, I guess. Uh, fight on, George and Oxnard. So that's a little bit different take on the Tim Drevno hire coach. What do you think?
0: It is. But again, if uh, they're able to work together, They'll be a better team, and uh, I know what you're exactly saying. Uh, You've got to be able to perform. You've got to be able to do it done, get it done, and it's very difficult to have personal friends on your staff because sometimes you have to make decisions, and I'm not telling you that uh, he should make that decision, but I think he came in with the understanding that he's going to assist with the running game, complete running game, and bring in some thoughts and things that can improve the offense because the offense – need some improvement. It's not that they didn't, you know, score a lot of points, but they've got to be able to perform and keep the defense off the field. The defense had a great year last year as far as performing in stats and getting it done, but they got wore down. So I think that they uh, have to uh, bring that uh, up to, to standards, and I think the uh, the uh, smartness of what Drevno can bring and uh, work together I think it'll be a better situation. Yeah, you could have made the changes that he said. But, uh you know, every coach has their own way of doing something. You have to respect it. Sometimes I'm harsh. Sometimes I understand. I know how hard it is. Sometimes it's easier to promote someone to a different level. And that's sometimes the best way of doing that is to get someone a job and then you have an opening. But in this situation, uh he decided to go this route, so you have to support him and hope it works.
1: So we talked about this on our – we did a live show on Thursday. And, you know, part of the issue with USC and the offensive line over the past almost decade now is, you know, they you know, Zach Banner's career at USC, he had five different <laughs> offensive line coaches. So this will be the third year with Neil Calloway. so there's definitely going to be some consistency. But certainly you'd like to see – uh, better performance from the offensive line. I mean, there's, we're going to start the season with 17 scholarship offensive linemen, so plenty of depth there. Now, two, you know, one is retired, Cole Smith, and uh, Roy Hemsley is going to be a graduate transfer and and move on. He's going to Arizona State. So they're down to 15 on the offensive line, but still, that's plenty of numbers. Um, and, you know, everyone in there, most everybody's a four or five star guy. So you would assume that, you know, you can assemble. A competent, you know, high performing offensive line from that. And I was, we're going to, our next topic is going to be the NFL combine, but I was, you know, watching this morning uh, when they're talking about defensive linemen. They had Willie McGinnis on there, the former USC defensive lineman. They were talking about, you know, the Cotton Bowl. There was a couple uh, Ohio State defensive linemen that were going through the drills and, you know, talking about how they just dominated the USC front and how that USC offensive line really underperformed. So I see where the criticism is. Um, you know, we'll we'll see what kind of happens, but certainly, if if the offensive line doesn't do that well in 2018, you have a potential replacement already there on staff, and we're still not sure, Coach, how much he's going to be involved. Will he be like the run game coordinator or whatever, and um, you know, be more involved with just you know not just the running backs but that stuff. But I, I get where people are saying, but we we've seen that the criticism has been kind of far and wide. But I think part of what Clay Helton's plan was is to keep. Uh, have some consistency there with an offensive line coach because they had basically won a year for five or six years there in a row.
0: And and I agree with that. Uh, you want some consistency. You want to be able to keep your unit together and, and bringing in a new offensive line coach at this late of a date is, is something that's difficult to do. But I think he'll bring a little bit more, uh, what do you say, harshness. I use that term of... Uh, uh, getting this point across, uh, I like it not to be a library atmosphere on the practice field, okay? I like it to be more of a competitive type of atmosphere, and I like to see them get after each other. And uh, maybe uh, this might encourage everybody to get a little bit more fired up and don't be so quiet about things and get after people and bring some young, uh, uh, young enthusiastic uh, voices to the field. And uh, I hope this helps. I hope this really does help because being physical is really important and you can't get dominated. And I have to agree with what you said. Uh, Getting dominated on the offensive line is really an embarrassing thing for not only a player but for USC who's had the great All-Americans on the offensive line. You can't let that happen. You've got to be able to block people and stop people and act like you care about it and finish the block and get to the second level. And that's something they really haven't done. And and they and people are looking to this. And I think really thinking at this, I think this is a combination higher of what the alumni type of players at USC want to see come back. And they know Harbaugh has that. Could be a combination of a Lynn Swan, Clay Helton hire. I don't know one thing about that, okay? But I think it's something that needed to be done as far as on the offensive side of the football as being more physical, and I hope he can bring this to the USC team. You've heard me talk about it. You got to be physical. You got to act physical. You got to be strong and powerful. You got to believe in yourself. You've got to be able to dominate. You can't turn your head. You got to you put your head in there, and 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 take care of business. and and, and if you watch. Stanford, when they get in that jumbo and they get down in that four-point stance, and they get in the full back set and they get off the football, you see the defensive line. Hey, man, that's a challenge. That's rugby. Hey, man, that's getting after it. I tell you, people like that. People like to be challenged. And I think I hope, I just hope that's what's coming to USC football.
1: Um, let's, uh, one of the things that I've kind of talked about before is I would like to see USC kind of go out and hire people that, aren't really involved with the program or haven't been involved with the program before. Now, you know, this is the last job he had before going to Michigan was at USC. So Tim Drevno doesn't qualify there. And I I think he does bring a sense of toughness. I, you know, I, I, I like the hire, but you know, three hires bringing in three guys, you promote two and then bring back a guy whose last job was at USC. Um, You know, with the Dylan McCullough hire, I thought that would set a precedent like, look, go out and just get the best guy at that position, not necessarily someone that you already know. And this, this, this round of hiring, uh, it was the exact opposite of that. It was everybody that you already know. Um, what, do you, what do you kind of think about that, Coach? I know it can be overly critical sometimes, but I would have liked to see just going out and getting at least one, one of the three hires, get somebody that really had nothing to do with USC. They're just really good at their job, and you bring them in.
0: Well, you know, I understand exactly what you're saying. Uh, you know, elevating the same people or having the same group around all the time. Sometimes you you wonder what the hell's going on. But I, I agree with you 100%. And uh, and probably the best way of doing it, if you weren't happy with Callaway at the offensive line, is to replace him. And Yeah, you have to make another move and bring someone in to replace him and, and then get the greatest running back you can coach in the country and have him be a great recruiter Two, and you can do that at USC. I think that's the thing that's what's frustrating for everybody is uh, there are coaches out there that will leave great jobs to come and be at USC that are great coaches They'll need that opportunity and want that opportunity, and and it doesn't seem to be that way when you elevate people all the time within your staff, but again, you know the the loyalty of these coaches when you elevate them, you know who they are. You certainly want to make sure you have loyal coaches on your staff and you feel more comfortable as a coach when you have that surrounding you. I really believe that. But again, you've got to have great coaches. And if you can't have that, then you got to go out and get uh, the best coaches you can. So we'll see what happens. This is where it is. We'll see what's going to happen in the spring. We'll see how much involved he is and things that uh, have to happen and see if there's any changes to an offensive schemes and plays. And. See how much they pick his brain and listen to him. Because I think really he brings a lot of experience. And when you bring somebody in that's been there and done that, you should listen to him. He's probably got as much experience than anybody on that staff as far as, you know, on the offensive side of the football, as far as coaching college football. With key coaches, with coaches that know what's going on. So he brings some uh, degrees with him. So uh, I hope that's why they hired him, and I hope they listen, and I hope it's a successful uh, move for them.
1: All right, so that's the uh, kind of big news. It's not official yet, but that's what you know. That's what we're hearing. That's what we're reporting out there. I um, want to talk a little bit about the NFL Combine, too. USC sent six players to the NFL Combine. One guy that was snubbed, Chris Hawkins, if you want to – I did an interview with him uh, late last week. If you want to check that out on peristylepodcast.com. Sort of an exit interview, and uh, he's going to do whatever he can to kill it at the pro day at USC, March 21st. It was, as far as the combine goes, though, uh, sort of a slow start. Uh, Sam Donald announced he wasn't going to throw. So he was the only, a lot of quarterbacks in this, uh, in the combine, and he was the only one that wasn't going to throw. Ran a I believe it was a 4.85, something like that, 40 yard dash, which was, you know, fine. People were worried about his hand size. It was, it was fine, probably a little below average or whatever, but some people thought that, that you know his hands might be kind of small, so that was kind of the big thing with Sam Darnold. Uh, Ronald Jones, who had uh, reportedly been dealing with a hamstring injury, ran the first forty and it was like a four six five, but came up about halfway through uh, and he didn't do anything else, so it looks like he re hand hand hamstring. So nothing else there with him. Deontay Burnett, which was curious that he uh, came out at all. Um, he didn't do anything at the combine. We haven't heard any reports on why that was. Uh, and then uh, Stephen Mitchell did some work, and uh, he he did pretty well. It wasn't you know He's not the fastest in the world, but I think he did pretty good on the uh, some of the drills that he had to go through. So we'll see what happened there. But you know, sort of nothing really uh, crazy, outstanding from the offensive players. And then today we got to see uh, on Sunday, Rashim Green uh, really killed it. He had the fastest uh, forty time. Uh, of his group of the, the inside guy. So I think he made himself uh, some money there and he was the only inside guy that actually went through some of those linebacker drills. Cause you know, he's, he's, he could be more of an edge rusher too. So we'll be curious to see what he does. But I, I always thought of all the guys in the combine coach, he would be the one that he's a quiet dude, but he would be the one that would have like more eye popping numbers. And I think that was the case. And then a uh, ran a four, six, five in his first 40, that was his best one. We'll say, as of right now, he still doesn't have an official time, but he'll be going through drills and stuff. So I think Uchenna, um, you know, they're talking about him too. I think him and Green probably both do pretty well. But for the offensive guys, Coach, just sort of underwhelming, you know, with the injury, Sam not throwing. Um, it just wasn't really, uh, you know, and, and Deontay Burnett not doing anything. Uh, a lot of those guys are going to have to do whatever they can on March 21st on the pro day to uh, kind of impress more scouts.
0: Well, you know, you've heard me say this uh, before. I think I've done it on this show our podcast. Maybe I haven't. I think the combine is well over. It's just blowing up, okay? Uh, I I, I mean, I think it's great. Uh, The the best athletes are going to jump the highest and go through the drills the best and run the fastest and all of that, but it's all out of a football uniform. I I want to watch a guy on film. I want to know who's a football player. You know, a lot of these guys, they sit in the stands. They're talking to each other. they got somebody timing them. I think it's a convention where a bunch of people get together. I think the most important thing is probably meeting the players. I mean, as far as sitting down and talking to them about their philosophy and seeing if you like their personality, how much they like football. Do they want to be an NFL player? all-star, you know, all of that dedication part. I think Bobby's the most important. Uh, all that other stuff, I think, is overrated. How many times you do 225 and you know all this and that? I mean, gosh, I'm not. I, don't, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to get a weightlifter. I want to get a football player. And not that you can't. You got to be strong. Yeah, you got to be strong. But you know, I think that's overrated. How high you can vertically vertical jump, as far as. Uh, straight up in the air. I think that's great. If maybe you ought to go out for track and be a high jumper. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, but I think it's a lot of wasted of time and the amount of money they spend on that. Money's unlimited. Money's unlimited. They fly all these players in, put them up, feed them, do all this. All the coaches go there. I don't know what they spend. billion dollars a year, maybe. I don't know. On scouting for the entire year unlimited and if you can't tell by now who a football player is before the draft as far as their playing ability you got problems maybe you shouldn't be a coach or a scout I think the mental part of it is important as far as being able to talk to a quarterback and understand if he understands defense and reads and so on how sharp he might be there Uh, but I want to see a guy play on the field okay I want to watch him reel to reel and see if he can play I want to see him when he's going against the top defensive lineman in the country play after play after play not one or two plays but 10 plays 20 plays 30 plays in a row I want to see if he finishes if he quits if he plays 100 percent the entire game now how fast he does a drill running around bags so I'm a little bit uh I didn't watch it that much okay gotcha all I said is sit and talk and you know all this <laughs> and that I mean, if Sam Darnold doesn't play, that means you're not pass. You're not going to draft him. What are you talking about? It's just something for us to talk about and them to write about. So, you know, Sam, if he's the best quarterback, which I think he is, he's my number one pick. Okay. If his hands aren't 10 and if he didn't have long fingernails that day, <laughs> then he's got a smaller hand than the guy that grew his fingernails long. Okay. I remember when I had Randall Cunningham and they kept coming into me and telling me, coach, you know, his delivery is really slow. I'm really worried about it. I said, really? Watch him on the field and tell me what he does, okay? He's an athlete that can throw the football, run the football, punt the football, do all the things that you need to do. And you're telling me his delivery is slow, most valuable player in the NFC, was the most valuable player in the East-West Shrine game. When we went to Hawaii, nobody else wanted to practice other quarterbacks because they had to watch him throw the ball 100 yards down the field. So, you know, but, you know, I mean, a lot of that is all hype. And, you know, basically, guys, it's just marketing by the NFL network network carrying this to get you to watch NFL football during during college basketball season and NASCAR, golf and all these other things that are going on. In spring baseball, the football fan is watching the NFL Combine. So it's a marketing tool. It's a marketing tool as far as keeping you in touch with football, wanting you know what everybody thinks. So uh, good, great. But I'll tell you what, look at Ronnie Joe Pulls his hamstring. I think the center, one of the, yeah, the center from Ohio State injures his shoulder on the bench press. I mean, I hope these guys, they insure these guys because, uh, you know, what good does it do? That's just my opinion. I know all you geniuses out there that are scouts (laughs) and so on. If you can't tell who a football player is in a football uniform, if you can run 4-3 without pads, and then when I put pads on you, you run 4-6, that's a little bit different. Okay, all I know is I've never seen Ronnie Jones get caught and they've had some pretty good a- angles on him. Yeah. I mean, maybe he has, and there are faster players. But hey, he's got enough speed for me.
1: Yeah. Well, coach, we'll see. Uh, that's, How's
0: that for a rant? How's like that it. for a rant? That's
1: a good rant. Wasn't so much yeah. expected. NFL's but...
0: going to send me a thank you letter. Yeah, they
1: <laughs> certainly will. Uh, we wanted to talk about that since there were six players, and then, like I said, USC Pro Day is March twenty first. It's not open to the public, but we'll be down there covering it. There's some guys like uh, you know Josh Fatu and. Chris Hawkins, you know, some guys that didn't get invited to the Combine that they're going to perform uh, there at USC. So we'll we'll check that out. We'll give you the latest of what's going on there. And uh, now, Coach, I wanted to move and talk about spring football. Um, so the official times and everything was announced since our last show. Basically, every Tuesday and Thursday at 3.15 p.m., starting on Tuesday, March 6th, uh, they'll have practice, on campus, Howard Jones Field, open to the public. They will skip the following week, the March 13th week, I believe it is, because of spring break. But then four weeks after that, every Tuesday, Thursday, they'll do that. And then every Saturday, same same week, they're skipping with spring break. But at 10 a.m. on campus, they'll have spring practice. And then the spring game, quote-unquote, we actually had a voicemail about this. So it's going to be April 14th. Um, Jeff in, in the OC, it was like a two-minute voicemail, Jeff. It was too long, but – he basically wanted to know about the spring game. He was suggesting, hey, if you're just going to do a practice, have it on campus. Uh, if you're not going to do a real game, but if you want to be like the SEC and have a real fun game, you could go over and do it at the Home Depot Center. So what what was announced is they're not going to have a spring game. They will have something on campus. It'll be April 14th at noon instead of 10 a.m. And it will be at uh, Loker. Uh, it's Cromwell Field, Loker Stadium, the track stadium. Um, so they'll, there's um, stands there. There's bleachers there that you can kind of check it out and watch. It won't be a game, but it will be uh, more of a glorified practice. But that's kind of the way they've been doing it the last couple of years anyway. But, yeah, no Home Depot Center. There was some talk about maybe doing it the new soccer stadium uh, for the L.A. Football Club, which is right next to the Coliseum. And it's going to open up in a few weeks when the MLS se- uh, um, season starts. But uh, I was told from a source that those two options were looked at, but for whatever reason, uh, did not did not materialize. So they're just going to have like a, a you know a regular practice on campus. But Jeff, and the OC, thanks for the question on that. And coach, any thoughts on the schedule and the spring game and all of that?
0: I have no problem with the times of the practices on Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday morning. I used to like to have Saturday morning practices as far as allowing the kids to have a weekend and so on. But it's absolutely ridiculous having the spring game on the track field. You've been out there. You've watched the kids work out there. You can't even run an out route. They run into the pits. Somebody's going to get hurt. There's no sideline for the kids to run through or end zones to go through as far as passing drills. So everything's limited. And what bothers me the most about that, you're taking a hitting day, a day that you can get better and compete, and you're playing around like a circus. Uh I think uh, you can't waste days in the spring. You only get so many days. And when you have a chance to get after it and hit and so on, you take advantage of, like you said, the new soccer field. You go to El Camino College and have a nice stadium there where you can work on your communications with the coaches as far as on the field, off the field. Keep the coaches on the sideline. Let the quarterbacks learn to be in charge of the football team. Do the things like a real game. I mean, the real game. Stay in a hotel before the night so you practice that. Go to the stadium like you will be going to the stadium for your first game. Go through game procedures. Do it all. I mean, this this is what it's all about. This is getting ready for the season. Not to go out there and uh, fool around. I've got a different philosophy. I guess I'm more of into football than I am a circus. And, uh, and I think that the USC fans are tired of that stuff, too. I mean, I go to their spring game, and I hear the guys say, I'm not even going this year. They didn't even do anything last year or, or this and that and have kicking contests and punting contests with the fans on the field and all this. And, hey, this is football season. Hey, you got to go out watch the other spring practice that are going on. Now the Pac-12 network is going to be there televising this. What are they going to televise? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what they're going to televise. It's not a game. And, and and I'm not trying to be hard on people. I'm just being honest on my opinion. That is a hitting day where you can evaluate that tape the entire offseason of who can play, who can't play, who answers the bell. You've got two quarterbacks that could go against each other. Have a team. You've got depth. You're a little short at running back, but you can make it happen. And have a competitive scrimmage, 60-70 play, 80-play scrimmage like a real game. Now as far as field goals, that can be live. Everything can be live except for, you know, you don't want to on special teams hurt anybody on kickoff returns and all of that kickoff coverages. But put your roster together. Put your team together. Let them know what it's all about. And to do that, how many days that do you get during spring practice? You got three Saturdays and waste a Saturday. I, I just don't see it don't believe in it, and I think it's completely wrong, and I disagree with it. So that's my opinion.
1: Wow, man. Coach Hyde, uh, on the weekend, man, throwing some bar- some shots out there. Um, well,
0: it, I don't know. You might not agree with me how many people have you heard say, "I'm not going this year"? It's really not a scrimmage.
1: It is, yeah, I mean, they're taking something away from it. I think people really enjoyed the Trojan huddle, and I think the problem that the mindset changed when the sanctions were going on. But it's a it's a pretty full roster right now. I know there, you know some limitations at the running back position with Stephen Carr. We have a you know question about that coming up, but um, I, I still think you could do it. And I, you know, it's just it's I agree with you I mean I, I think that this is something they could do They're you know there you make decisions you make decisions all the time and this is one of those decisions where I was like you know I think you'd be better off not just for the fans but I think for the team having like a regular you know some sort of spring game so uh, I think people thought this might be the year uh, where they're actually going to be up close to the 85 scholarship limit again that like why don't you just do like a regular spring game but with the the renovation of the Coliseum you would have to do something a little bit different and I agree you could have if it wasn't going to work out, the Home Depot Center or at the LA Football Club, um, you know, stadium there, whatever it's called, I don't know what it's called. Uh, you know, go to El Camino College, or, you know, somewhere else. You could have, have done that. So it's just kind of like the the simpler, easier decision. And there's just seemed to be a lot of those lately. But I do agree with you, Coach. Um, I mean, I don't maybe I don't feel as strongly, but I think this team would have been better off having like you know, really going through some sort of spring game, having a. a Matt Fink team versus a Jack Sears team and just go at it.
0: I agree a hundred percent and put your kickers under pressure as far as uh, the kicking game, the, the whole, whole thing. I, I don't understand uh, the thinking of this. I think the thinking is coming from the marketing department. Okay. <laughs> and not the football department. I really do believe that Sell season tickets and do this and that and get your, your fun zone down for the kids to run around and bounce around on those things. And, and, you know, all of that. That's fine. But you can bounce around a lot and you're a lot happier when you win football games, okay? And not that they haven't won, but you got to get a football team ready to play their opening game, UNLV, and then you're going to Stanford, and they're not going to be real happy with USC losing twice of them last year. Yeah. Then you got to go down to Austin, and I'm going to tell you what, they got their starting quarterback back, and they got athletes, and they had a great recruiting year. So you better be ready to play football, and I'm sure that those guys aren't having a circus in Austin.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there, Coach. But and even so, with the market, I don't, I don't think there's going to be as many people coming out anymore because um, they've seen these spring games just not be real games. So hopefully, they'll get back to it at some point. You know, maybe after the renovations, uh, but we'll see. Um, uh. Don wrote in, so he's talking about spring ball. Well, I'll read the second part of his question first. He said, maybe USC is using ZipRecruiter for the running back coaching position. Um ZipRecruiter is one of our sponsors. Uh No, Don, if they were using ZipRecruiter, they would have filled it a long time ago. But now it looks like it's finally filled. So, But he said, who do you expect to be the big play guys on offense and defense and then the go-to guys for third down plays uh during spring football?
0: During spring football?
1: Yeah, I guess it's you kind doing? of like... You know, you know, I don't know if there's not really big plays guys on offense and defense for spring football, but that's what he was. That's what the question was. So I don't know if there's anyone that's kind of standing out to you on either side of the ball.
0: Well, I think the number one, let me just put it to you this way. The number one uh, purpose of spring pro- football is to get strong in the areas. You need to get stronger. In, and that's the offensive line. And that's utilizing your tight end. I've been waiting for that to happen for a long time and uh, incorporate your players that should be on the field. Uh, uh, on the field uh, it took them four games last year to figure out who the receivers are going to be and everything else now Carr's not going to be out there for the spring so you know that's really going to hurt them in the running game but again you have an opportunity to develop your other running backs and uh, and you've got you've got to be able to get your guys know who who's going to be your number one guys and, and evaluate too your new players coming in and who's going to be able to is Stewart or is griffin or these guys i don't know if who's in here in the spring or not those guys but figure out uh, who's going to be able to contribute and the, the ones are you going to move now uh, marshall the inside or linebacker make that decision now don't wait till the fall after a week of practice try them now at inside and find out what's going on with your safeties and find out what's happening with your receivers and You know, and let kids know who's number one. You have a depth chart. It isn't an intramural program. And a guy's number one until he gets beat out. And a guy knows when he can be beat out. A guy knows, "Uh uh-oh, I better go in and look at the depth chart today because I didn't have a good day yesterday, either blocking or tackling or whatever it is. And make it a real competitive thing. So as far as who should have a big spring, I don't know who should have a big spring. Everybody should have a big spring. <laughs> everybody should have a great – co- coaches, everybody. I mean, I, I'm serious. So uh, I don't know. Stars develop. First of all, you got to be a team. And when you're a team, then people develop to become a star. So if you don't win and you don't play together, it doesn't make any difference anyway. But I'm real interested to watch the quarterback situation to see what quarterback – that's on campus currently right now, has the best spring. I really want to see that. It's going to be great competition. at quarterback, and I tell you, the quarterback better be ready, and you better develop the other people around the quarterback because if you don't do that and you put it all on him like they did Sam Darnold, there's going to be problems. There's going to be problems. So you better do what Georgia did as far as having a great running game and being able to bring Fromm along, and he got better as the season went and you've got talented players that had all the credentials that that kid had, and then Daniels comes in in the fall, and he'll challenge those guys. And if Daniels is the best, then he's got to go for it. But, again, you got to develop a team. That's what you got to do in the spring. Develop a team and get your players on the field and find out who your best 22 are.
1: The uh, You would mentioned a couple of the the incoming freshmen, so those guys weren't going to be there. So the the new players for spring football, they'll be uh, Junior Galeb Tremblay uh, – Galeb. Caleb Tremblay, uh, so he's going to be defensive lineman, um, J.C. guy coming in. So he'll be there in the spring. Justin Didich, the center. Uh, Kanai Mauga, the uh, linebacker. Raymond Scott, the linebacker. Chase Williams, the cornerback, who's kind of the guy that not as many people talk about because he was a, an early signee. And then Talanoa Hufunga, uh, the five-star safety from Corvallis, Oregon. So those six guys are the new guys uh, that are going to be there. Um, you mentioned the, the running backs, and we do have a running back question for you, Coach. So let me play this for you, and we'll get your thoughts.
2: Hey, fellas, this is Curtis from Moreno Valley. Um, back to the running backs. Uh, we only have two running backs returning and a freshman coming in, and he's pretty but big, that's fine, but we don't have anybody else. We're gonna have to use some of the other athletes on the team to play running back if we're gonna go hard in practice like, uh, we should. I agree with that. But we can't, you know how often our backs get hurt. Every year we get running backs hurt in practice, in the, the spring, and in the season. We, we need about five backs or six. There's no way we can go through season with just three. And we're only going into the, uh, the spring with two. We need to get some of those athletes off of, uh, wherever they are, offense or defense. I heard one of the safeties played running back. Some of the guys we got in this class played running back in high school. Hey, if you want to run the ball hard in practice, you're going to have to have more than three backs. Again, Curtis from Moreno Valley. fight on.
1: And hey, Coach, real quick. Um, so Marquis Stepp is the incoming freshman who will be coming in as a running back. Vavai, Malapai, uh he's a redshirt sophomore. He's returning. Steven Carr, true sophomore. And then senior, true senior, Aka Cedric Ware will be back. So there will really be four. And then if you want to include Ruben Peters, who's a former walk-on, redshirt senior, fullback. He doesn't play very much, but. Um, you know, with Stephen Carr out for the spring and Marquis Step not in yet, that leaves Vavai and Ware as your only two uh scholarship running backs outside of you know Reuben Peters.
0: My my is, and that's my fault, ladies and gentlemen. My phone line here is a little screwed up. Oh. Uh let me tell you, my thought is, hey, sometimes you get hurt but you're not used to getting hit. Uh it's an amazing thing that a guy can carry the ball forty times at other universities. In the old days, when Garrett and everybody played Marcus Allen, they would be upset if they didn't run the ball 35 times. And when they took a handoff in practice, they'd run the length of the field no matter where it was to get to the goal line. Then they'd come back for their next turn as far as their conditioning. Uh, just part of getting ready and understand. hey, guy, you're going to run a lot of reps, and we're going to do this. And this is going to give you a chance to become a football player. It'd be better than anybody else. I'm surprised they don't have more running backs. I don't know if they didn't go after more running backs or not. They should have understood Jones was coming out. Carr, I, I'm surprised Carr. I don't know what happened there, but I'm, su- I'm guessing he hurt himself in the weight room. Uh, so, you know, you've got to be the next man up type of thing, and I think these other backs will become a lot better football. Well, to me, can be a stud. He, he likes football. He's a football player. Give him a chance to run the ball 10 times, 20 times, 30 times. He's going to punish you on the defensive side. Defensive backs are not going to want to tackle him. So that's the way it is. You don't have any others. If you're down to one, you're down to one. He goes every play. You can't be going in there worrying about, hey, this and worrying about that. And, you know, everybody's worried about everything. You got to become a football player. It's it's amazing how people could do these things before and all of a sudden they can't do them now. They're better conditioned and everything else. If I was a football player, if I was a running back, I'd say, give me the ball every play. That's the way it used to be. And don't look to me at the sideline because you made 15 yards and you need to come out and have a water break. <laughs> I mean, my God, I'd tell him go right into the locker room and take a shower because this is what it is. It's a different thing. And you've got to be able to become tougher and you understand that you're certainly you don't want to hurt a kid but you get a kid's body prepared for hits and he gets used to it. And it's not uh, so, so awkward to, to to scrimmage and do these things. And, 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 you know, you got to do that. I'm surprised Carr's hurt. I really am. And I really sorry it happened because I think he's a great player, but he's got to be ready to go too. And, and I think Dominic Davis, aren't they going to bring him over in the spring and let him get some reps?
1: No, the, um, no, I don't think they will. He you know, he's obviously a former running back, but you know, when we had talked to uh some sources around, I think he's sticking at cornerback, even though they're pretty deep at cornerback. That's something that the name has come up, but I don't think that's gonna happen, coach. We'll have to wait and see, but I don't think it will.
0: Well, I don't know if that's his decision or if that's the coach's decision. You know, that's another thing too. Sometimes you gotta do things that's for the best interest of the team. And uh sometimes, you know, that doesn't always happen. And I think Dominic Davis is a pretty good little running back. He was in high school and he could be now. And you got to have people where they got to be, okay? And uh that's another thing, you know, uh, these players today have a little bit different attitudes and it's not the players' fault, it's the coaches' fault. It's the people's fault. It's made them, you know, who they are. They're stars before they play. And uh, right now it's uh, USC and what it takes to win a national championship, and what it takes to compete for a Pac-12 championship, and what it takes to, to prove to people that uh,
2: who we are
0: and intimidate people that they don't want to come and play in the Coliseum, or they don't want to play you at all. So, you know, it, it takes a little of frame of mind that sometime uh, you are training gladiators. Okay, I hate to use that term. But that's basically what a football player is. He goes out. You want him to fight for his life and the team's life as far as being able to win.
1: We got two more kind of off-topic-ish questions. Coach, uh, Judy and Claremont wrote in. She said, first, I want to say how much I enjoy the podcast with you, Dan, and Coach Hyde. You're an asset to the Trojan fans. Well, thank you, Judy. He said. She said, but this Keith Jackson statue, he was always so pro-Notre Dame, and I felt when he gave USC any kudos, it was begrudgingly. I hated listening to him broadcast a USC game. What are your thoughts on this? But I personally am not on the Keith Jackson Keith, Keith Jackson statue bandwagon. I'm glad the statue is at UCLA's home field and not ours. Looking forward to spring football. Fight on, Judy and Claremont. Coach, I haven't heard this take before. What What are your thoughts on that one?
0: Well, I don't know where that came from. Uh, I respect her thoughts, and she has her uh, she has her reasons, and and I respect that. But personally. I have a different view of the whole thing. I have the opportunity of speaking at memorial services, which are going to be April the 15th at 4 p.m. in the Rose Bowl, along with other greats uh, Dan Founts, Brian Greasy, uh, Lynn Swan. And uh, I'm going to represent the fans, okay, because I was a fan of Keith Jackson. I didn't work with Keith Jackson in the broadcast booth, but I knew every time when he was, uh, I heard his voice, he had the biggest. W- event that was on television, whether it was the Rose Bowl or the Olympics or NASCAR or Monday night football, it didn't make any difference. He did them all. I think this was what it represents, not just Notre Dame, USC, it's college football. He did 15 Rose Bowl games. And I think USC has played in the Rose Bowl more than any other team. So I'm sure he did more uh, kudos for USC. I remember, well, by the way, his last game, and he told me, And probably one of the best, the best football game he ever did see, USC lost, unfortunately, to Texas, the national championship game. He was a guest of ours uh, two years ago. I sat with him and talked with him and his wife, Turianne. And I admired his stories of how he started and joined the Marines. uh, Said first time, well, I lied. I was only 16, but they took me. Served for his country and how he used to walk through uh, walk to town and ride a mule to town and to go to school, and how he came up and went to Washington State and got into broadcasting and hey, he was a true gentleman, and uh, uh, you obviously don't have to be a part of anything, but to all of our listeners out there uh, that did hear the podcast uh, I think it was last week or two weeks ago with Dean Rosino from the Rose Bowl that there is going to be a statue and you can contribute to that by going to www.keithjacksonstatue.com. And uh, it could be a dollar. It could be a hundred thousand. It could be a 10 cents. But if you do do a dollar, your name will appear on the plaque behind him and it's going to be an awesome tribute to him. So uh, that's my opinion of him. He was a kind gentleman and uh, I think he brought a lot to broadcasting. And if you listen to Brian Greasy and all the Greasy family and Fouts and everybody else uh rant, they all admired him. And and that's the the key guys in college football and the NFL.
1: Yeah, Judy, uh, same here. I agree with coach, Uh big fan of Keith Jackson. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, w- I wouldn't, I never really got the sense that he was uh, anti USC, but you know, everyone has their different opinions. So we respect that Judy. And, but I, don't th- I can't agree with you. Sorry about that. Um, all right, we got one last one. Uh, Nick in Cyprus, a.k.a. Big Nick 21 USC from the P. So he has two different questions. So for the football question, do you feel Clay Helton has hired coaches who can take over as coordinators if T. Martin leaves or Clancy Pendergast leaves? From my view, no, but I'd love to get your opinion here. Uh,
0: no. Uh, as we've said, uh, I don't think he's brought in the – the player or the coach level that you wanted USC as a coordinator. If T. Martin leaves or Pentagrass leaves, you want somebody that's been there. You want somebody that's that's won a Big Ten championship or Pac-12 championship or Southeastern Conference championship uh, to be your defensive coordinator. You want somebody that's seen it all, been there, know, seen it before, knows how to defense it, doesn't have to stare at the board all night, says we can't run that play against this defense, don't waste time, and move on and has the ability to uh, uh, have the respect of the coaches that are under him, listen to them, but makes the final decision on exactly what's going to go, and the head coach has the confidence in him in asking him what your game plan is this week and uh, putting inputs in and giving him the authority on certain down-distance situations to go it, or you we need a field goal out of this or whatever and have that type of strength. On your coaching staff, I don't think right now that you have the experience there that would bring you the satisfaction and security of turning something like that over to someone. So I would say no, that that's not true. Well, I mean, you know, I agree.
1: Yeah, Tim Drevno at least was the offensive coordinator at Michigan, so that you know that right. you know, so that's one. Um, so that's some good news. But there. I
0: don't know. See, I, I can't say that he was successful at Michigan. Yeah, okay? yeah,
1: yeah. No, fair point. I can't
0: say that they <laughs> won at the level of what I'd want at USC. Yeah,
1: and they did part ways. So, uh, And then his, his second question is, has to do with basketball. With this big FBI probe, do you feel that the NCAA will only go after us like they did Jerry Tarkanian at UNLV instead of North Carolina, Michigan State, Arizona, and Duke? Because we're not blue bloods, and they are. And can you give us an inside perspective on the Jerry Tarkanian situation since you were there when that BS witch hunt went on? Fight on from Nick.
0: Well, you know, that's a long story. I don't know how long we have on that one, but they never got off of Jerry Tarkanian. They started way back when he was in junior college. and You know, he always was at schools where he dominated so much. Everybody was worried more about his program than they were their own. And then when he went to Long Beach State, when he beat all the top programs in America, and and UCLA was in town and and, uh, lost to them by one point when he should have beat them, As far as going to the playoffs, uh, you know, that brought a lot of attention from people. And when he won a national championship, they said, how can this happen? UNLV, how can they be beating all these Dukes and everybody else and running away and dominating? So, you know, he just attracted the, the NCAA. And like he used to always say, they used to go after North Carolina State. And If they found something, they'd put Cleveland State on probation. to to show that uh, they can put a school on probation. The big-name guys, the ones who draw revenue, the ones that everybody wants to watch on TV, they left alone. But I want everybody to remember that he sued the NCAA, and he won that suit. So he won that uh, against them and got a lot of money. So uh, obviously somewhere there uh, he was right, and they were wrong. And uh, so... I don't know the specifics on that. I can't remember. I think it had to do with something like they were always after him, and he proved that or something, but I, I don't know what it is. But uh, uh, I think that uh, they won't go after USC any more than they do anybody else, because this is a, a probe that, you know, and I don't want to, I guess I should say this, uh, how long have, have people recognized this type of stuff? I mean, Really? Uh, when the teams, uh, players got away from their high school coaches and all these other leagues started and so on and everything else, how much control did you have of the players and what they did and where they were in the summer and all these leagues and everything else? And, you know, that was just the report of what? One agent, okay? And everyone knows how they got started. Uh, They weren't looking for players. They were just trying to find out what was going on with all the wiring of money. And they found out who they were going to. And then they, when they found this investigation was all done and related to this, they just turned it over to the NCAA. And then the NCAA is the one that started to say, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do now? And I don't know, know if they know what they're going to do now, okay? I have no idea if they know what they're going to do now. And I have no idea what their plans are for the future. But uh, it's a mess, okay? It's a, a mess and it's a shame that the NCAA and all these wonderful universities uh, have put themselves in this type of position of one and gone and all the different things that surround college athletics. Now it really is. And uh, it's come down to a financial uh, thing in some cases more than a degree or both. And I think that uh, there's got to be some things that are done and uh, I don't think they should. Pick on USC or any school uh, more than the other. I think they did need to come up with something to sort of correct this. And uh, you know, everybody's talked about all these different things, having a league where where you can pay the kids and they don't have to go to college for the one and go, done deal, and all of these different things. I don't know. You know, I've, I'm sort of old school. I think a kid gets an education by being in college, uh, surrounding himself with friends that he's going to be with his entire life. People that come from different walks of life, people that uh, that you get to know and be friends with your entire life. Uh, you know, you go to class with people. You meet people that don't play athletics, which I think is very important, and they become your friends. Maybe they'll become your attorney. Maybe they'll become your accountant, people you trust. I mean, I think there's a lot, too, in education in college, and I think, you know, uh, just the travels of, of traveling. With a group of kids and being together, where you're all after the same thing and the same goals, I think that's so important. in senior night, I I love senior night when you're a senior and you've been there four years, and you're and you have been a part of something. You made a commitment to a university. I think people respect you more. So I I just think that uh, the whole thing has to be looked at. But you know, uh, it it's uh, it's out of control. Let me just put it to you that way. It's out of control, and I'm not going to get into it specifically of uh, how you know it is, but uh, they're going to have to take a look at this, and I hope they just don't destroy college athletics by trying to do it immediately. I think it's going to be a process of putting in the necessary things that are necessary to make it where these things don't happen. And I hope they're, they do their due diligence and they do their – Uh, To put their committees together of people that know what's going on, not people that think they know what's going on, or people that have to hire a firm to do their investigation. Those guys don't know what's going on. Good guys that know what's going on, coaches, agents, people that have been there and done that. You know what hires? The first thing they do is they go hire some firm. Of a bunch of guys that never coached before or anything else, and they don't know what's going on. They got to go try and find what's going on. Uh, get a group of people, of ex coaches, commissioners, and people that sit down in a room and lock the door and say, okay, guys, uh, we're all, we're all got glass windows, okay? And if we start throwing rocks, they're all going to break. Let's sit down here and put together something that works for all of us, okay? And make it happen. That's my feeling. Let's don't go and have a world war over this. let try to figure out what's going on. And, and I think that's the the best way to do it. But, you know, people that think they know are the most dangerous, because they don't know. So we'll see what happens.
1: We definitely will. All right, that's the coach, Harvey Hyde. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow me on Twitter, at Inside Troy. Good show, Coach. Uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you out there for spring football practice.
0: Okay, get back to the combine, Ryan. I don't want you to miss anything. No, no,
1: it's mostly done now today. Well, I think there's (laughs) still a couple of like Cheddar and Wusu stuff going on, but thank you again, coach.
0: Hey, thank you. Thank you, everyone, and thank you for checking in with us. We appreciate it. And remember, it's only our opinion, and uh, I look forward to seeing you at practice or whatever since it's opened to the public. Come up and talk to me. Say, uh, oh, you're that guy. Or come up and say, let's talk about this, coach. I'd like to meet all of you, okay?
1: Nice. All right. Well, that's a coach. You can meet the coach. You can meet me over at USC football practice over the next five weeks or so. Six weeks, I guess. Um, So check us out there. We do appreciate you tuning in to the Parasol podcast, listening to our little show, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater.
0: You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com.